right, everybody. I'm really excited about this guest today. My guest today is Ed Vincent. We'll make it easy, Ed. You're the founder of Festival Pass, which is the world's first festival and live events subscription service. And we'll leave it at that. We're going to dig into this a lot, but I think that's sort of pretty self-explanatory. So, Ed, thank you so much for being here Great today. Great to be here, Jason. Yeah, excellent. Man, I'm so curious. We were catching up before we started recording about, uh, and you, and we're going to talk about this, but you worked at MoviePass. And I'm a huge film person. I use MoviePass. I was a customer. A lot of people were customers. So I'm so interested to hear throughout our episode today how you're bringing that same model into the festival world. Because I was, I used to be more of a festival person before I had children. It's a little sure. hard to get away from festivals now, but um, we're going to talk about that. I'm a big, I'm a big concert guy, food and wine, all that good stuff. So I can't wait to hear more about this. So Ed, uh, where are you coming into us from today? Um, currently in Austin, Texas. The, uh, Austin, Texas. The mix of the nice capital, ca- capital music and technology all in one. Yeah, exactly. And my understanding, I have a friend in Texas. They're like, it's so cold here. And it was like 45 degrees or something. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it cold, but it's coming. I think uh, in a day or two, it's, it might get down to 20 or 30. That's cold yeah. for te- oh, that's really cold for Austin. Yeah, because we were catching up. Ed, you used to live in New York. I live in New York. It's quite cold here. It was frigid. This you guys weekend. had the cyclone cyclone bomb. We had the bomb, the bomb cyclone thing. All right, Ed, let's get into it because we have a lot to talk about. So first things first, you know what's coming. What's something you nerd out about? Sure. So, um, and this is the context of my previous companies, um, but data in general, uh, I nerd out about data KPIs, um, and uh, you know, in in the recent times. Uh, NFTs, and there's a reason behind it. It's not just to me, just random digital art. There's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. What is it? So, were you, have you always been a data person? Like growing up, were you a kid? Like, are you a math person? Like, what's what is it that draws you to data? Yeah, I'm a finance guy originally. Um, finance major uh-huh. in college. I was an investment banker uh, out of school. Came to the big the big city, thinking I was going to be uh, an investment banker and love it. I was, and then realized that uh, entrepreneurship's more fun. Uh, but uh, that was the really core of it. Um, you know, meaning that I dug in and understood uh, the financial aspect of most things, which is data driven. And then yeah. fast forward to the company I had previously to Festival Pass was called Predict Analytics. And we were a data company consultancy and a software platform for the entertainment space. So a lot of and this this is the this mm. is the leaning towards the, the movie pass conversation we can have. But it was uh yeah. we had clients, anybody from A and E networks, uh, AMC networks, we helped them understand their entire kind of consumer strategy and built out their audience intelligence platforms for some of the biggest uh, mm. you know, T V brands. Yeah, that's cool. I, I have a client who works at Nielsen sure. and the, he works on the, um, it's a, it's a cool piece of technology that I'm sure you probably know about. I didn't know anything about it, but it, it, it's for sports. Sure. So it, it, how many impressions you get for each brand for each sporting sure. event. And it actually counts those things that that way you can hand that back to the Coca-Cola or Nike or whatever and say, Hey, like at the, at the Knicks game, you had 54 impressions based on the cameras and all those things. What I just find fascinating because that whole world is now gone to, it's all gone to analytics now, right? Like advertising, digital marketing is all about analytics. Very much so. Yeah. And even, uh, you know, they're slowly getting there today with Nielsen, but, uh, you know, even five years ago, um, one of our biggest clients was uh, Screen Vision. There's <clears throat> really only two mm-hmm. companies that sell advertising in movie theaters, Screen Vision being one of them. And, uh, you know, it was really hard. There was an air gap between who was actually sitting in the seats and watching the movie versus mm. who bought the tickets. Um, and Nielsen would always try to put a panel together to get that data and, and would fail miserably for 
many times over, but I think they, I think they're slowly getting up to speed and actually getting accurate data. Yeah. Well, MoviePass had that information because you had to use the MoviePass app and I had to tell you about myself. But if I walk into the kiosk or I walk up to the ticket window, you have no idea who I am. You just know you sold a ticket. That's correct. That's correct. And that could have been cash. Even if you bought it, even if you bought it on Fandango, you could have bought four tickets at once. Who's actually sitting in the, in the seats. Yeah. That's awesome, Ed. Um, so what's something that's inside your comfort zone that's outside somebody else's comfort zone? Something that you know that like people either don't like, they won't do, that you are like, yep, I'm all about it. Sure. I mean, I even found this. I'm part of an entrepreneur organization called EO. Some people might know what it is. I know you. Yep. I've been part of it for 15 years. And even people in my own forum, people outside of it, um, I forget um, how sometimes many entrepreneurs who are really passionate about what they build don't really dig into financial and capital structures. Um, so they don't truly know the difference of motivation between a VC and a private equity company versus debt uh, and what kinds of debt there are, whether it's convertible or, you know, all the structures that happen in the capital stuff. And yet coming, coming yeah. as a banker, kind of like I knew all that early on. So when somebody sits down and is like, you know, hey, we're going to raise the money or we have a capital structure or ownership structure. I mean, that to me is second nature. And I actually enjoy that. Some other people are just a glaze yeah. over and they're like, oh, I'll call my lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Do you do, do you do any advisory work for other entrepreneurs around Not this? Not formally. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's a great community. So I, I, a lot of my yeah. colleagues do come to me when they're trying to figure out structures of what they want to do and how they're going to raise and all that kind of stuff. But uh yeah, so I yeah. do it as a friend, not a, not as a paid gig. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. I think that's pretty true. And I would put myself in this. I'm not a. I'm not a finance person. I don't like numbers necessarily. Mm-hmm. So for me, as I'm scaling my business or what I'm up to, I don't. Uh, I would need help with that too. And I think a lot of people that come from. Well, I want to say this, Ed, because I think you have a pretty a fairly. It's not totally, it's not totally unique, but it's it's great that you have the the eye banking side. Mm-hmm. So so you actually understand that can have those in, and you can have the discussion that investors actually want to have yep. versus a lot of entrepreneurs, they need to either hire up for it or they have a conversation. They don't know their numbers sure. or they don't know what they actually want. Sure. They just know they need some capital in some Agreed. way. So that I think that would be very helpful. So if we look at the other side of that question now, what's something that is outside of your comfort zone that you know is inside of other people? Sure. I, I, I think in all honesty is um, – I love to teach and inspire um, individuals, but sometimes the day-to-day operational HR management is not so fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it's, it's it's more I think about the things that just uh, that I don't enjoy. So therefore, if I don't enjoy yeah. it, um, it gets it's it's harder for me. Um, and I know there's some yeah. people that are just great at it, like they're super super calm and wading through, you know painful, you know, operational numbers and, you know, filing reports <laughs> with different states for, you know, different employees sitting in health insurance and all, all of the things yeah. that just my eyes glaze over and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well, the good news is there's all sorts of companies that do that for Correct. you now, right? A lot, a lot of the SaaS, a lot of the, the SaaS platforms, but I want to ask you something here as a, you know, as a, as a founder of a company with employees and I'm assuming you've had people report to you before many in other places. Do you, do you enjoy the people part of leadership in terms of the not like when you just have to be with people or they're having things like, like I, cause I hear the HR thing. I think, Oh, you've got an employee who's not performing and you need to like work, coach them, 
do you enjoy that? Part I do. Of it? I, I really enjoy um, the the part of getting to know people's strengths and and how they can contribute and being able to inspire people and also just sharing the whole picture. Is um you know it's in, in any kind of teaching moments, it's easier to understand things when you teach it. Um, so for me. Yeah. Often, and we have an all hands call, hence why we, we changed the time of this podcast. But every, every yeah, Monday, we have yeah. an all hands call with our, our business and we go through a whole, you know, there, there's a lot to the culture that we're building with that all hands call, call, um, including how we, you know, always, uh, go back to the core values of the company and how we build the mission and all those things. But along the way, what I try and do is I always try and give the big picture. So when I'm talking about, you know, what do we need to do for, you know, marketing, um, you know, we're, we're having a, a short call and we're explaining what acquisition marketing is. We're explaining um, how different, you know, verticals are producing better results versus others. And we're, you know, we're sharing with the whole population exactly how it works so that when, when a developer is, you know, putting some tracking code on the site, they know the reason they're doing that is because we're partnering with a big media company that's driving traffic from, 10 different brands and we have to know that and it, it's it's what inspires yeah. our success i think i really like that for a number of reasons the main reason is that it, you know i worked at i worked at um, some startups in my career before i went on now do my own thing you get siloed yep. you're like hey we know we're, and i was always in sales so i'm like hey i know we're up to in sales but i didn't really have a good picture of the the details of what's going on in the other parts of the business and i think for and I'm just going to say this, and I, uh, I'd love to hear what you think about this in your business. But one, it gets you excited about the whole company, and two, as a, if you hire for good, if you hire good employees, you might they might get interested in other parts of the business yep. that they want to go into. Yep, absolutely. Do you see that that being? Yeah. I do, I do, and and part of it is, uh, you know, I think most people then can fully start understanding where they can help. Um, you know, I usually yeah. leave it as, hey. <clears throat> This is kind of the strategy we're using for social. This is the strategy we're using for email. Um, and then does anybody have any ideas? And sometimes that, uh, you know, especially when I start talking about our heavy lean into Web3 and NFTs and crypto. And, you know, I, I think everybody, there's a lot of people in the millennial and Gen Z kind of age groups that are really excited about Web3. Um, so when we start talking about our strategy, it's so wonderful to hear everybody coming back and saying, well, have you thought about this? Oh, I like this project. And, you know, can we do something like that? And it really, it's helpful. Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right. So I think this is a nice natural progression here. I'm going to give you five minutes, not on the podcast, but like you get five minutes and you get to broadcast to the world. My podcast is not listened to by everybody in the world. Unfortunately, I'd be a very rich man if it was. Uh, yeah. What, um, what would you want to speak on? What would you speak on and what would be your call to action for us in the audience? Like, what would you want us to do with once you've given us five minutes of what comes, uh, what you're passionate about or what you want us to know about? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I have three daughters and I always try to live a life of being consistent, um, meaning that, um, you know, we all make mistakes and things we do, but if, as long as you're, con as long as I feel that I'm constantly consistent in my messaging to them, and usually that's about kindness. It's uh, kindness wins, and there's there's a, an approach to life where you know it's not good guys finish last. It's actually kindness wins in the long run. Mm. Uh, and then you know there's there's a poem that I've kind of used as my uh, you know north star. Uh, since I've been like 15 years old, it's, it's called if, if by Kipling, Rudyard Kipling, um, 
But mm-hmm. there, there's so many lessons in that one poem about how to live life, whether it's, uh, you know, there's one uh, one line that if you can look at triumph and disaster and t- treat the two imposters just the same. Um, but mm. it's a theory of, of how you look at life. Um, and for me, sharing some of those lessons um, that a lot of people don't necessarily have the opportunity to sit and learn from, um, I think is powerful. And I, I give one one small yeah. other example is a, uh, you're you're probably old enough to know who Tony Danza is. Of course, uh, it is. we're probably about the same age. <laughs> who's the boss or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. so I, I never knew what Tony Danza was really all about, except for the, his old days. But there was uh, probably a five years ago in New York. I, I went. He had a. Um, he's part of this police benevolent association, and he he teaches high school kids how to like you know, stay out of the streets and, uh, and you, and does no, it cool. through like yeah. theater and does it through stuff like that. So, but he had all these kids, um, effectively do a play about that poem. And when I, I walked out of it, wow. it just, it was, it, not only was it my favorite poem and my favorite kind of perspective of life, but the fact that these 13, 15 year olds are getting taught that lesson at that age by somebody of his stature, it was powerful. So anyway, it just, it's just a share yeah. in that capacity. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. Well, I'm a I'm a parent of a of a daughter and a son, so I'm going to get some free parenting advice <laughs> from you right now because it's my show. So my daughter is uh, turning six this week, so she's in kindergarten. So kindness is a thing that I think comes pretty naturally at that age, but also quite unnaturally. Like the trigger level <laughs> is very easy to not be kind anymore. What advice do you have for me and for any other parent listening? Kid, the your daughter show up and they're like, "Hey, Dad, I don't, I don't want to be kind to this kid because they're not being kind to me." Like, how do you, how do you do that? Because I think it's just such a natural thing, especially when children are young. Like, what do you say to your 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 daughters about that? If you have, I'm sure you've had to at some sure, point. Sure, sure. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. And there was a movie uh, that that came out with Julia Roberts uh, in it. Um, I don't know why I'm m- missing the, the 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 book itself, but uh, but there was a line in it. There was. Um, when given the opportunity to be right or be kind, choose kind. Um, I love and that. that's just that simple. It's uh, yeah, you, you, yeah, you're probably right. That person was probably wrong. You know, yes, you want to be angry. Yes. You want to go step on their coat or uh, throw uh, applesauce at them. But, uh, <laughs> but who cares? Who cares if you're right? Just be kind. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Ed. Thank you. That's, I'm just literally, I'm sure you identify as a dad too. I'm like, I'm literally thinking about my daughter last week and how we had some challenging mornings. Yep. It's a lot of drama in the morning. I've been Um, there. And yeah, reminding me to be kind as well, as opposed to like, get your booty out the door. Yep. But yeah, I've, 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 I have three daughters and they all were different. And, you know, some it was the hair in the morning, others it was the socks they were wearing and just, uh, Wait. Okay. Hold on a minute. So socks is a thing because our daughter's big thing, the seams on her socks. Yeah. They have to be right. Oh, I, I feel I feel so seen right now. <laughs> there, there's been many a time I, I, I you know, p- oh. picked her up on my, uh, you know, in my arms and and brought five pairs of socks. Figuring by the time we get there in the uh, in the Uber or the or the cab that she'll she'll oh pick gosh. them. There. Oh my gosh, I feel so uh, I feel so normalized because <laughs> I'm like this is insane. Um, and thank you, Ed. With that, we're going to take a really brief commercial break. We'll be right cool. back. The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect, to be coached, 
or to be a guest on our show. Email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people. All right, Ed, we're back. So let's get into some more things about you, some things about Festival Pass, your career, whatever you want to talk about. So this is where a nice, broad, open-ended question. So what else do you want us to know about you? Sure. So I think um, I would try and say that any business or concept, especially startups that people are building, usually comes from context, right? So it's not that you wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to build this company. It's it's comes from years of the why. And for me, that's really exactly what Festival Pass is today. It's a culmination of 20 years as an entrepreneur. And if I kind of go back and, and I'll speed through it, I don't want to bore, bore your audience too much. But uh, after banking, I left to start my first e-commerce company, um, which was fun. We, As a New Yorker, you, uh, you know some of the stuff we did. It was called City Stuff and we sold the things that made cities famous. So you can get, you can get mm. Junior's Cheesecake shipped overnight, H&H Bagels shipped overnight. Very cool. Um, it was a lot of fun. We ended up selling that in 2001. And then, uh, you know, and then obviously five years later, the funny part is one of the guys that worked for me built a like of the month club and killed it. <laughs> he did, he, oh, he did sure. even better than we did. So I was, uh, I was like, yeah, Man, I sh- he, he put subscription right into that model. I should have thought of that. Um, but that's context, right? And then fast forward, I had a, an agency, about a 70 person agency, uh, that was really an experiential agency you know, called Vincent Partners. And we, um, you know, we brought big brands to big major events. And that's where I fell in love with big, big events. Um, so we, we helped launch a bunch of film festivals like the Vale Film Festival, Sonoma Valley. We, we worked mm. on, um, I even, we created, um, uh, the Dominican International Film Festival down in the DR that we owned for a few years. That was a lot of fun. And in that process, I really kind of, it was all about live events are special. There's, it's a one, one in a yes. moment time that this is happening. It's unique. It's not TV. It's not a movie, et cetera, <clears throat> except there was some really good movies we watched down there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it was fun, and and in that process, uh, I learned a lot about uh, how the way brands work. Um, so because brands were our clients, big consumer brands from you know major mm-hmm. liquor companies to to stuff like that for sponsors and such. Yeah, and the they, we were hired. We also yeah, hired better. to activate across. We we had a again I can mm. go on forever, but Absolute Vodka and uh, and and at the time an online dating service out of Canada called Lava Life for clients, and we created this click at a flick series where you know in, in theaters throughout the country people would have like a party in the movie theater and then get to know people, then watch a movie and then meet up after. It was kind of a fun little thing. That's really that sounds um, really fun. But it was just really how do brands integrate with events was really the concept. Um, and then you know it, during that time we did some cool things like uh, you probably heard of Maxim Magazine. Um, the, the big lad mag, which magazines aren't that big anymore, but uh, we we partnered mm-hmm. with them and we helped them build a, uh, a hotel down in the Dominican, the Dominican uh, Republic. It was called Maxim Bungalows, and we did a lot of fun stuff down there. Um, but anyway, those uh, that was the context to why I love live events. Uh, fast forward, um, my next business was a uh, software as a service um, subscription business. It was more B two B, but uh, but that's when I really started learning about subscription. It was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, if we build the product and somebody pays for it on a monthly basis, we have recurring revenue. That helps us predict the future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah. we built that, sold that in 2014, and then uh, I did mention my 
um, data and analytics company. Uh, and that that's when we really started focusing heavy on entertainment, which was my passion. Um, and we yeah. really helped a lot of big television brands and film studios and, and movie brands. You know, everybody from movietickets.com before they sold the Fandango as a client to A&E Networks and AMC Networks and Chorus Entertainment in Canada and Screen Vision. That's when, uh, that's when the infamous movie pass reached out to us. Um, and, uh, they knew we kind of infamous. They, well, it's, it's, it's a good word for them. Um, yeah, I think, the, I think that's fair. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, so, so the, the story goes is they reached out and, uh, they knew we had some, um, you know, pretty good understanding of data in the, in the film space and they were started growing so rapidly, um, that, I don't know exactly where they were when I joined them, maybe about 2 million members when I joined it. When I say I joined them, um, I became their interim chief data officer, um, but I didn't go in-house. I wasn't a full-time employee. I was, mm. it was they hired my company effectively. Um, and then yeah. over over the time frame, there's probably 10, 10 people in my company that were doing work for MoviePass in various um, pieces. Some of it was in data, some of it was in de- software development, et cetera. Um, but uh, I, I felt I had... Uh, a bird's eyed seat. Like there's, there's that line in Hamilton, uh, like the room where it happened, um, mm-hmm. or the John Bolton book, whichever one. <laughs> uh, but, uh, effectively <laughs> what it means is I was sitting watching things happen. Some were really interesting, yeah. smart things. Some were, you know, decisions that, you know, could have been better. Um, but I think the key was I realized that. Uh, at that point of being part of it, first of all, so many things they did right, right? Uh, product market fit. They knew consumers. Oh, yeah. Consumers really wanted some kind of subscription to go to movies. That was smart. Yeah. Um, they also, on the data side, we briefly talked about it. It was the best deterministic data set in the country, basically, um, because it was statistically relevant across uh, all geographies, all studios, and all theaters. Yeah. Um, so that was the thing I really dealt with. I was super excited because you know, obviously you needed the app to go see a movie. So I knew exactly who was at the movie, what was their email address. Yeah. Um, and we were building a lot of great information around that. Um, and they also did great on discovery, right? So, um, when, when there was an independent film that typically wouldn't get, uh, a lot of, um, play, um, we knew that if we put it next to, you know, number one slot on the app next to the blockbuster of that weekend, it, people are going to go watch it. Um, and, wow. and basically sometimes movie pass was half of the box office uh, entirety of, of an independent film. Um, yeah. So that was interesting. All those things were interesting. Of course, there's the downside, which was the business model sucked. Um, <laughs> and, and on top of it, the way they financed the company was hard. Like, uh, it was a publicly traded company. Yeah. When you're burning that much money, you know, there was tens of, tens of millions of dollars were being lost a month. And the only yeah, way to, sure. only way to subsidize that is to raise big amount of capital. And if anybody knows the public stock markets, when you, raise, continue to raise money, you end up diluting the current shareholders. So that, that brings sure. on short sellers and then it made it hard mm-hmm. for them to raise money going forward. There's so many things they could have done to fix it. Um, yeah. The, uh, the big part is I knew at that moment that I'm never going to build a company where, where when I ask people to do more of the reason they came to my business to, to be a part of that, I'm going to keep losing money. So <clears throat> Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard. You can't ask people to increase the use of your product and you lose more money every time they do. Yeah. 
that's not sustainable. And I want to ask you one other thing about MoviePass because I we were catching up before we started recording. I was a customer. We know some of the, the we have gone to the same theaters because we lived in the same neighborhood. Um, my understanding was the next wave of that was you know who I am, you know what movies I like, you also know where I go after the movie. Yep. So then you can start selling me advertising around. You know, like we were talking about Alamo Draft House. Sure. We know that. Do I stay at Alamo Draft House for a drink? Yep. Or do I go down the street for a drink? So that was kind of the next wave of the wave of that. Um, and I don't know that that ever fully came to fruition. It did, but that was there was a huge data set there. Yeah, there, but but the location based stuff was huge. Yeah, that, that is correct. Um, there was a, a lot of opportunity in that. Um, so there was a strategy, a high level strategy of where it was going to go. Um, but uh, I personally believe the core business model needed to be fixed before that can happen, um, and that that yeah. was kind of. The problem, but but it does bring up to your point a bunch of opportunities, right? Is that um, once you, if, if you can share with your audience your your membership uh, things they they want to know. One, the recommendation engine, right? The idea that hey, I know you like to do these things, therefore you might also like this. Discovery is a huge, huge concept, uh, and that's something that's yeah. something we heavily brought into. Festival Pass, and that's something that's super important to us going forward. And not, we're not just. Um, I, I wanted to correct you in the initial intro is um, just to make sure your audience knows we're not just festivals. Yeah, please. We're uh, we're, we're all live events. Please, um, all yeah, live events. So it's uh, so we have concerts, we have sporting events, we have Broadway theater, we have food and <coughs> wine events. So we have over eighty thousand events on the platform that people can go to. Um, but what's really cool about that is when you can cross pollinate those interest paths. So of course somebody that's a big music fan or a big sports fan might focus or join specifically because that's their passion, but they're also humans, right? So I, I love going to concerts, yeah. but I also did go to a Yankee game. Uh, I also like going to movies. So the idea that um, having a interest set across um, not only one specific passion vertical uh, is, is a lot of value um, for some of the things you're mentioning. So for some of those partnerships, um, you know, where, Yes, maybe other other things can come into play. Like for example, on Festival Pass, we we have hotels now, so about six hundred thousand hotels mm. can be booked on Festival Pass with with your credits. So the idea is, you're not going to use the hotel concept when you're going to a local concert at a, at a small venue around the corner from your house. But if you do travel to go to either a big sporting event or travel to a festival, um, you can use our site to book hotels as well. So, Ed, like this seems like the perfect place to transition. So let's talk specifically about Festival sure. Pass. How did so, so I sign up? What am I doing? What's the value to me as a consumer? And then how does it all work? I want to, like, I'd love to explore this with you sure. and hear the sales. Well, give us your sales pitch. I'm kidding. Maybe sales pitch, but no, I'm super interested to hear how this all works because this is, I'm like your, I'm your ideal client probably. I'm somebody who likes these sort of things where I'm like, I want to sign up for this thing, and then I want to be told what's good because yes. I don't really want time. So, yeah, so walk us through it. Walk yeah, so at it. its core, um, our business model. I'll start with the business model so people can, can get it a little bit. It's a little more, a little yeah. more like ClassPass than MoviePass ever was. So it's a, yep. it's a credit based sure. currency, and the reason we've done that is we want to um, provide discount and value back to our members, but we want to do so with sustainability, meaning that um, we're able to ensure the price of whatever event it is, is a certain amount of credits. 
and our and I'll explain it in a second. But our members are always saving mm-hmm. money no matter what. Um, but we don't Perfect. lose money. And the point is, is as long as we don't even better, as long as we don't lose money, um, we can build a sustainable company over time. So. So yeah. I'll give a, the way I love to explain it to a customer, uh, and sometimes we explain this to some of our investors, is um, sure. is, is the, the big thing is we never charge ticketing fees. And that is a, a big issue for people whenever they're trying to gain, get a ticket to an event. Some some of the, oh, some God, of the yeah. ticketing sites you go to, a $100 ticket, uh, you'll go to buy it. And then when you get to the final stage of checkout, it's $165. And you're like, well, it's infuriating. What, what just happened? What, what, what happened? Yeah, it's infuriating. So it's not transparent. And we want to, we're, we're changing all that. We're solving all that. So if it says it's a hundred credits when you go to buy the ticket, it's a hundred credits when you check out. There's no extra fees added. There's none of that. Um, so the way I like to share is, um, I, I suspect you're an Amazon Prime member. Oh, absolutely. Now, More my wife. For you. My wife, we're, we're in the top 1% of Amazon Prime customers, mostly my wife, but yes, we are definitely. And, and I love to ask this question because it's almost like a family feud question. Survey says, <laughs> you know, of the 100 people asked, uh, eight out of 10 chose this answer as why they signed up for Amazon Prime. And I'll ask yeah. you, let me, let me see if you were one of the eight out of 10 or the two out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we sign up for it? We signed up for it for free shipping. Perfect. You're eight, you're exactly yep. eight of the ten. But did you know yeah. not only you did it for that, but you also get free movies on Amazon Prime. Oh, absolutely. You also get discounts to ho- free Whole music, Foods, some free music, some oh, audiobooks. Yeah. So basically you did it for one reason and you got a bunch of perks as well. So that is the way we like to think of what Festival Pass is, is if you come and sign up to be a paying subscriber. You never pay a ticketing fee, so you're always going to save up to 30% on every ticket you ever you ever buy or you ever go to, and you're going to get a bunch of other perks, like you get 20, 30% off hotel rooms when you book them, like um, like uh, early access to NFTs. I know you're not a big NFT guy, but but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I just don't care about the technology <laughs> yeah. of it. But there's a uh, I like the money part of it. But uh, yeah, so so we'll be giving early access to NFTs and. We're going to be building cool. a ton of really kind of unique perks, like um, being able to get tickets before anybody else or um, being able to do meet and greets with artists. So there's this like overall community of perks that Amazing. people get for being a member. Um, and at the end of the day, it's kind of a win-win, right? So we give some of, we give yeah. some of the margin back to our members, meaning that they don't have to pay these ridiculous ticketing fees. Um, and, you know, as time goes on, we're, we're negotiating, you know, blocks of tickets from specific primary vendors, et cetera, that allow us to yeah. share some of the discounts back to our members. So we uh-huh. win because we get to have predictable revenue. Um, and yep. the customer wins because it's cheaper and they get a bunch of perks. And for, for us, we'll have a lower margin business, but it's predictable, which cre- creates a higher value company. Yeah. It's, it's, um, man, it's brilliant. I'm sure you know this already. Um, uh, can I ask you a couple other questions about the business model? Just because I'm really curious. Are you selling excess capacity? Is that where you're getting the most of the inventory? Not from? necessarily, right? So we have a large part of our inventory today and it's not where it's always going to be, but a large part, the reason yeah. why we have 80,000 events on the platform is a lot of it comes from the secondary market. So meaning yeah. the same tickets you'll find on StubHub or SeatGeek or any of those other kind of places, but we don't charge you all yeah. the fees they charge. So so basically yeah. you can get the same seat from the secondary market with us at a much cheaper price. 
So that's step one. And then two, we're building all of these primary relationships with venues and with producers of events so that we can get a discount, if you will, a rev share discount from that original yeah. producer. And then we'll pass that along. So, so it's not necessarily uh, excess inventory. It's really, um, yeah. we basically have anything you could possibly want to go to. We have the cost is directly relevant to the supply and demand, but it's always going to be cheaper yeah. than anywhere else you can get it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so you think, you know what I'm going to do after we get done here? I'm going to sign up. Probably, probably going to sign up. Um, although we don't live in the city right now. So, but we do have an amazing venue right near us, Bethel oh. Woods. I don't know if you've been to Bethel Woods. I haven't Woods. been, but I know it. I we, know live, it. we live 15 minutes from Bethel Woods and they, um, so Bethel Woods for, for the audience, it's where Woodstock actually took yep. place. So we had, we had some amazing concerts this year. We have amazing concerts there every year, except, well, except for 20. 2020, but that's a that's a very obvious reason. Um, that's really cool. So people want to find out more. It's just literally just festival pass. It is. It is. And uh, and then from yeah, I was just gonna say, and we're, yeah. we're we 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 put a beta ver- a beta version of the app in the both a- the app store, both Apple and um and Android. But it's e- the easiest place right now is just online festivalpass.com. Yeah. So as I'm a festival pass member, correct me if I'm wrong, that all my stuff is in the festival pass app. Too, all my tickets. Yep. If I need something, it's all right there. It's in one place. I think that's another really irritating part for me is I'm like, did I buy that on Ticketmaster? Or did I buy it somewhere else? Yep. Like, where's my ticket? Did I put it in my Apple wallet? I actually had this happen this summer. I was like, wait, I think I put it in my Apple wallet, but it's not there. And then I go to Ticketmaster and I can't remember my login. It's really irritating. Yeah. One thing that's interesting, we have a section in our website called My Adventures. And in My Adventures, uh-huh. it will have a history of all of the um, events you've gone to and it will tell you that yeah. and it also has all the hotels you booked so it's kind of play and stay and the, the point of that and why it's important is one of the things that i learned at movie pass was um and you might have been one of them is people that were using it a lot love to have a history of what they saw and yes, they were even sure. posting it on reddit saying oh look you know i went to 20 movies last month and you know this year i've seen eight, you know 88 movies and this is my favorite and it just gave a <laughs> It's, it's a point of credibility, if you will, of like, yeah. uh, it's like a playlist. It's like a Spotify playlist. People, you know, we yeah. want people to go and eventually we're going to allow people to expose their, their adventures to others. So it's kind of like, oh, mm. you know, who's this Ed Vincent guy? He's, he's my buddy from high school. Oh, he's been to, you know, 60 live events this year. Oh, you know, yeah. I want to follow what he's following. Yeah. There's nothing, there's almost nothing more powerful in the marketing world than FOMO. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like, that's awesome. Um, okay, let's move along. But I think we're gonna we're gonna continue this conversation as we continue on with some questions because it's gonna naturally lead into it. So, Ed, what do you want to ask me about? What do I want to ask you about? Um, how did you get into uh, the 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 coaching business that you're in? Is that correct? Am I? Yeah, yeah. So I do. Yeah. So I'll just um, for you and for everybody listening who doesn't know me. I do executive leadership coaching specifically for tech because I worked in tech for 20 years. I worked at a couple big companies, telecom companies, big data companies. Okay. The telecom companies have a tremendous amount of data on you. Uh, I worked on the wireless side. Okay. So you can imagine as a wireless person, we have a ton of information. And then I worked at a mobile security company. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at a, a B2B e-commerce company. So that was, uh, we had a lot of data there. And then I worked at a, um, my last stop, was I worked at another mobile security company, uh, like a Series B, and then we were acquired by Symantec. 
actually okay. the, the cybersecurity company. And then how I got into it is I actually hired somebody as a coach because I was just like, I don't think this is what I'm meant to be doing here. I had a, a young child at the time. She was two. She just turned two. And um, through working with this person, I just realized that I wanted to go and do my own thing. I, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit, but I never knew what I wanted. And I'm not a coder, sure. which kind of restricts what you can do in the tech industry. Like, I'm not a coder. I'm not a data person. I'm a sales and marketing person. So I'm like, those are great skills. And also, what do you do with that if you want to start a company and you're a sales and marketing person? Yep. You kind of need a co-founder who's going to have something they can create. Sure. So, um, so this business is something that I excel at because it's something I can create myself. I don't need to know how to code anything. I just buy a bunch of SaaS platforms <laughs> to help me run my business, which is perfect. And um, yeah, so that's the work I do. I do executive leadership coaching. I'm a facilitator at a tech community. I do executive presence facilitation and training. And I do personal brand strategy work as well. Cool. So I love marketing. So I do work for people that want to grow specifically their personal brand. Gotcha. So some like I want to go into podcast. I want to like a lot of my clients, they write books or they have TED, TED talk, TEDx talks. Sure. Things like that. So I, that's the sort of work that I do. So it's partly coaching and then partly strategy. Very cool. So that's I. So the, I got into it because I hired somebody and realized like, oh, that's a that's an interesting thing. And most coaches you meet will tell you that the reason they do coaching is because they hired. A coach. Interesting. Because it's not really a thing that you. For most people, you it's not really a thing you understand until you actually experience. Sure. So yeah, so that's how I got into it, and yeah, I run my own company now, which allows me to have two podcasts and. Uh, set my own schedule, which is a good thing and a bad thing. And I also don't have to have anybody that reports to me full time, which is also quite delightful as well. I have a virtual assistant and people that I can outsource to, but I don't have, I have none of the HR stuff you were <laughs> yeah. referring to before. I don't have to like do performance reviews or any of that, which is really nice because I spent 20 years in the thick of that stuff. Sure. So yeah, very cool. That's, uh, that's how I got into it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hit me with another one. I like, I like that. <laughs> I'll have to think about it. Um, yeah. What, what made you say you're staying in the Catskills versus going back to New York? Having a six-year-old who has an awesome, awesome. school. Yeah. That's, it's, sometimes it's yeah. that easy. It's, it's, it's really just that easy. We still have a place in Brooklyn. I'm actually going to be there in a few weeks. We have a full-time tenant in our awesome. apartment, so I can't stay at my own apartment. But um, we'll be back. But we left uh, – I'll keep this very brief. We left New York in March of 2020. I left with – we left with a pregnant wife – an old French bulldog and a four-year-old. And we now have a one and a half year old or a one. Our son was born in October of 2020. Um, his name is, his middle name is bear. Cause we're like, Oh, he's born yeah. in the woods. He's born up in the country. Um, we now have a daughter who's turning six this week and we have a one-year-old golden retriever. Awesome. So we lost our Frenchie. So we left two years ago, almost two years ago now. And when we come back, we'll be a very different family. Very cool. So uh, very, but I, very typical. A lot of people up here that we're friends with, they, like my daughter's school is half Brooklyn kids. Let's yep. be very clear. Well, uh, get, <laughs> nice getting thing. to Austin, it's it's a uh, it's a combination of L.A., New York, and uh, San Francisco. All <laughs> totally. They're like cost of living, no state income tax. That sounds cool. Yep. Well, that cost of living is going up every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But you still don't pay the state income tax. Very that would, that's very the true. nice part. Nice. End. All right. So, um, what are you passionate about? Well, I think we touched a, a little bit on some of that, right? So obviously I'm passionate yeah. about data. I'm passionate about um, uh, 
kindness. I'm passionate about uh, entrepreneurship. Um, you know, those are really the things that kind of drive me on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, m- yeah. many of the communities I'm part of fuel all that, right? So whether it's EO that I shared with you earlier mm-hmm. or, um, yep. you know, here, obviously, uh, I mentioned I'm really excited about Web3. So I joined the ATX DAO, which is a cool organization of uh, folks that are really into, you know, crypto and, and Web3. So I'm excited about that. Um, That's yeah. cool. And- That's awesome. What's um, what's the thing that you are most proud of in your life? Um, I'd say my three daughters. Um, it's uh, it, it's once you're a father, it's it's the best job in the world. So, you know, yeah. try, try and go through the challenges. Um, you know, mine are now 16, 14 and nine. So uh, mm. I, I've gotten through the uh, or getting through the teenage years are interesting. Um, but but again, yeah, that's I can imagine. I'm, I'm proud that even I'm divorced as well. So I'm proud through the mm-hmm. diversity uh, and, you know, the, the makeup of, of kind of how everything uh, laid out that I can still be a consistent um, voice and uh, and father figure to them. So I nice. What are your what are your daughters, in, uh, especially the 16 year old and 14 year old? I'm super curious. Did they like are they what are they most interested in? What do you see them as doing as they head off into the adulthood at some point? What do you think they're going to do or what are they have they kind of expressed what they're interested in? Yet? Anything they want. No, it's a uh, no, it's, it's yeah. just one of those things that uh, my oldest um She's killing it. Um, she's, as I mentioned to you earlier, she stayed in New York and, uh, and yeah. she's, uh, you know, she's all over it. She's the, um, editor of the newspaper. She's a Harvard awesome. model converse. She gets a, a pluses and everything. So she's very determined, but also social and kind and all the things. She's really into journalism and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I nice. there's, I don't worry that she will have the path to make the choices she's going to, she advocates for herself. So she'll, she'll decide yeah. and I'll just say, yes, I support you, honey. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's and my good. middle one's creative, super creative and, um, probably less on the, you know, uh, bulldog go getter, uh, on the, journalistic academic side, but, but also gets straight A's and is, uh, is super sure. creative and kind and all that fun stuff. And my, li- my little yeah. one is, uh, she's just a ball of joy. Yeah. I'm asking this again. I'm, I'm my own agenda. You know, I don't know if you remember this, having a uh, five, almost six year old, she just like, she's literally in exploratory mode all the time, figuring out what she likes to do, what she doesn't like yep. to do and getting really clear about that. And we just got, we just got her, um, her report card, like it's, you know, at kindergarten, it's not really a report card. It's like, how are they doing? Yep. And just taking a look at like, what's she good at? What's she not good at? And like, does it really matter right now? Because <laughs> it's all exploratory. Yeah. So, congratulations. so congratulations. Sounds like your daughters are amazing people. And man, being able to combine the brilliance and the smart, the intelligence with the kindness. I think that's something, I don't know if your experience is somebody who lived in New York even longer than I did. I've lived in New York for, if we consider I still sort of live there. I've lived there for about 16 years. I think that that gets lost in the East Coast culture sometimes. Sure. Intelligence and dri- drive with kindness is a thing that gets lost. Sure. At least I've seen that too. So congratulations, Ed, on on uh, the wonderful family and like doing all the good stuff and still being good humans while doing it. I, I look I look forward to seeing it play out. I was even through the struggles yeah. as a teenager and stuff like that. I'm I'm like I can't wait to meet them as adults because uh, you know yeah. the, my only wish is they come back as you know solid kind adults. Yeah, that's awesome. Ed, what's, uh, as we start to close it up here, I'm curious, what's something that you're afraid that might actually be true about you? Afraid? Hmm. 
I'll have to think about that. I, my apologies. I, I, sh- I should have jumped on something. Uh, what am I afraid no of? No problem. I don't. I, I think with a lot of the, the stuff that I've kind of worked through with EO and a lot of the kind of groups I'm a part of, fear is, is, isn't is something that really is um, something that holds me back is, um, you know, there's yeah. like this concept of self-limiting beliefs and, you know, the idea that, um, you know, why, why should I be able to do something, you know, that all these other people are doing? Luckily, I've been through a process that um, that that I've gotten past. So like when I, when I yeah. first got to New York City and I was like, oh, I'm coming from a state school in New Jersey and uh, I want to be an investment banker. I was like, you know, must be all these Ivy League kids, you know, that are the only <clears throat> ones that can be bankers and they must be a thousand times smarter than me. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, nope. shit, they're not that, they're nope. not that much smarter. They're not. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're <laughs> right. smart kids, but they're, but, but yeah. it's, it, there's no magic behind the wall. It's not, there's Oz isn't sitting there moving sticks around. Um, yeah. So anyway, so along that process, it's in. You have to be this way if you're going to be an entrepreneur, but you have to. No, totally. So I'm not that. I don't have that much fear per se. I, I think. Yeah. You know, the the only fear is uh, back to the kid stuff. Is I just want to make sure I'm consistent and you know always looking back. I, I think I am, um, but I was. You know, that's the one fear is: Am I doing enough? Am I? And then you know, I get reminded yeah. often from them and others. Yeah, you are doing enough. <laughs> yeah. What uh, something that you just said struck me too. The well, first of all, you've gone through grueling stuff. Like iBanking is grueling. Like we all know that that's – you paid well and it's challenging. Yep. And then you've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. You've run a software company. You've run – you've like done things that are like are going to build a ton of resilience. Well, like you're out like running – it's not like you're running like a floral shop sure. or something. You're running things that – raising capital and all those things. So that's the first thing. That's The second thing I just want to say for, for the audience is – and you're a good example. And you're the kind of people that I work with. Like entrepreneurs are not unicorns. They're just normal people who have a drive and a passion to do something and figure it out and put good people around them. Yep. And I know some like through personal branding, one of the places I do personal branding, we have some quite famous personal brand clients. They're really normal people. When you sit down with them, they just happen. They just, for whatever reason, you know, some timing, a lot of smarts, but also just being good and kind people. That's it. So, you know, this mystique around like entrepreneurs and startup and all oh, these people are so whatever, like, not really. I mean, and most people you talk to will be like, no, I'm just a normal person who just happens to like, first of all, hire well, right? Get people around you who do the stuff you're not good at or you don't want to yep. do. And two, just um, like you said, what I think that's a common thing is the you don't let the fear stop you. Sure. Yeah, you can, you can, you can yeah. have it and it's healthy to have it, but uh, but it, you can't, it can't limit you to, to move forward. There's one thing, one thing yeah. I want to say about unicorns is I, this is something I tell my daughters as well is it's like, well, you know, I, I love unicorns. I want to, I want to be a unicorn. And I, I, I share, and this is something my girlfriend and I say to each other sometimes is that uh, you can be a unicorn, but unicorns don't actually exist. Um, but That's but right. four, leaf, clover, That's four right. leaf clovers do, right? They're very rare and they're hard to find, but they actually exist. So if you're going to be seeking anything unique, look for a four leaf clover rather than a unicorn. Ooh, that's nice. I just, uh, is that anywhere in your branding? Cause I really like that. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's a, it's a, <laughs> I, I have to say it's stolen from a Chris Stapleton song. Uh, uh, starting oh. over, you, it's just, you can be my I'm a, lucky penny. I, I'm, I'm a huge Stapleton yeah, fan. Yeah. I saw, I saw him at Jones beach a few years ago. So you ago. probably know the line. It's you can be my lucky penny. Of and course. I can be your four-leaf clover. Oh, 
Man, we could have had a we could have had a whole another episode about Chris Stapleton. I love Chris Stapleton. That's well, awesome. you can get tickets on uh, Festival Pass. Just go. Ahead. I, I, you can trust me. I will. He was he was actually here, and okay. he came to Bethel awesome. this year. Yeah. All right, Ed. Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, a couple more questions for you. So, how do you see the world? I see the world as mostly good and there's a lot of evil in it and it happens along the way. But uh, naturally, I think humans uh, and I always say that you can't be a good human if you don't like dogs because because dogs are they they have no agenda. Their only agenda is to love and to be there and all that kind of stuff. So whenever I see somebody that doesn't like a dog, I'm like, hmm, there's something wrong with that. (laughs) I love that. I'm the, I'm the exact same as you. I actually have another thing I'm just going to share. I have another thing that I'll add to that that will be a little polarizing, and I might polarize you. I'm like, if you don't like dogs or you don't like Kirby Enthusiasm or Seinfeld, <laughs> we might have a problem. But that's more of a personal sure, taste sure. thing. But I'm with a dog. So do you have a dog? Uh, yeah. So uh, it's not that it's always here. So my middle one has a dog, and when she's with me part-time and her mom part-time, so when she's with me, we have the dog. He's here right now because I pick her up for school every day. Even when she's at her nice. mom's and the dog comes with her yeah. and then I have the dog during the day. And so good. Goes back and then uh, my dogs are the best. Yeah. yeah. We, we waited when our, when our French bulldog passed away and she was our starter kid, right? We had her before we, we got her um, and she passed away at 12, which is a good age for a French bulldog. And my wife's like, I need a break. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> and then February 26th, yep. here comes our uh, golden receiver puppy. We, we couldn't wait long. We're, we're huge dog people for sure. All right, Ed. So how can people connect with you, connect with Festival Pass, find out more? And everything you're about to say is going to go in the show notes so people don't need to write it down. And how can people just connect with all the awesome stuff we talked about? Sure. So uh, for Festival Pass, just go to festivalpass.com, sign up. You can sign up for free. You don't have to pay anything to actually sign up and start seeing events and checking them out. And then uh, when you're ready to, you can even currently now, you can even buy a ticket for a discount with no fees, even if you don't sign up for the monthly subscription. But of course, when you, when you move up to a paid monthly subscription, you get better discounts and better perks. Um, So do that. Uh, Secondly, follow us on Instagram, um, festival underscore pass, but I'm sure if you just type in festival pass, we'll come up. Um, Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, we're kind of, as I said, leaning into all of that. So the more people that are in our community, they'll find out if they're into NFTs and Web3, they'll find out more about that as we go down and launch them. Um, me personally, on the business side, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. So people can find me there, just my name. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think that's the, the, the best approach. Awesome. Thanks, Ed. All right. Thank you so much for the time today. It's been awesome to get to know you. I can't wait to sign up for Festival Pass. I'm like I'm like your perfect customer <laughs> avatar. I love it. So I'm a big entertainment person, film, uh, big concert person, big sports guy, although living in the Catskills, it's a little it's a little sparse yeah. up here. It's very sparse for sports. Yes. All well, right. the, one, one last so, thing uh, along that way, right, is uh, the credits yeah. roll over. So even if somebody signs yeah. up and gets the, you know, gets uh, credits each month, um, they don't go away the next month. So it's kind of like if you if you signed up and paid, oh, I love that. You know what? If if you can't make it to a Yankee game until the spring, so what? You, you, I'm assuming you're a Yankee well, fan, right? Oh no, I'm actually not at all. I'm from Minnesota. Oh, okay. All right. So I am very. I am. It's interesting. Yes, I am so not a New York sports fan at all. I hate all the New York sports teams, even though because I'm from Minnesota. Sure. So. Yep. They beat our asses. <laughs> oh, the Yankees, the, 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 I think the Twins have won one playoff game against the Yankees in like 11 sure. years, and they played them repeatedly. Um, well, this is good for me because living near Bethel, you know, like 
those it's only open outdoors from like June through September. Totally. It's an outdoor amphitheater. Totally. So that'd be perfect. I can use all those. We get a lot of great access. Awesome. All right. And so last thing, words of wisdom for us, short and sweet. And I, you've already given us a bunch of words of wisdom. So if you want to come back to something you already shared, that's great. What do you got for us? We can leave, leave everybody with. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the ones I always go to is the If You poem. If you haven't read it, go read it. You can Google it. It's yeah. uh, If by Rudyard Kipling. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. Two is uh, Patience. Um, as a, as an older entrepreneur, I've realized that, uh, you know, sometimes you just expect everything to happen overnight. And, uh, as long as every day you're making progress, eventually the winds come around you and start fueling the progress. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ed. Best luck to you, to you, the festival task, festival pass team and everything you're up to there. And, uh, can't wait to follow you, sign up, become a subscriber and just best of luck, best of luck in everything you all are up to. Thank you, Jason. Thanks so much, Ed. Yep. Take care. All right, my man. Nice. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people too.